So we are all fans of technology and maybe even more so fans of Apple technology. I think that's something that we're all very keen on um, in our general technology lives. But Apple has just released uh, the new MacBook Pro to many people's dismay in certain ways. And I wanted to kind of get an understanding from you, Shahid, about how useful the MacBook Pro would be for game development. Because I'm sure there are many people that do this. There are many people that have to do this, right? Like if you want an iOS game, you're, you're kind of stuck using macOS, you know, whether you want to be or not. So I just wonder, like, how, how much game development can really be achieved uh, with the current crop of Apple's professional computing? Well, a surprising amount. There have been quite a few developers who've been building games on Mac, primarily using engines like Unity and so on, but also many other independent developers have used other, um, I guess, less 3D engines on the Mac, Mm -hmm. and that has been absolutely fine for a number of years. A lot of it was kick-started, of course, by the iOS gold rush. And you had a lot of developers come on board. They had no choice but to buy a Mac. These people had been using PC or had, you know, it was their first computer. You know, they maybe they got it for college or whatever. And it was great. This is what got a lot of game developers to fall in love with the Mac because it was light. It was sleek. It was what all the alpha geeks used just worked you know and that continues to be true today what's happened over the years is that as video games have become more and more advanced the corresponding advances required in the mac have not quite kept pace whereas pcs have continued to if you'll pardon the pun steam ahead certainly with better graphics cards but also with just general cpu grunt at the cost usually of size and and battery life. But the Mac remains a really excellent machine to make games on. It just isn't powerful enough to make the very best or to run the very best games. And that, for me, is, is a little bit sad. The worst part of it is not so much that they're not powerful. They are very powerful machines. But at what cost? You know, the latest ones, certainly in, in the UK, have quite the premium over mm-hmm. PC laptops. I mean, if you look at stuff like the new Razer Blade, for example, which is a phenomenal piece of technology in a very sleek-looking package, that thing is way more powerful than even the top-of-the-line MacBook Pro and yet comes in, I think, around a grand cheaper, £1,000 cheaper. That's a big chunk of change. What is what is doing this though? Like, what's pushing this? Like, how is Razer able to do this? I think they make different decisions. It's for Apple a question of priorities. For Apple, their priority is battery life, form factor, and integration. Whatever they do is about making sure that they continue to make laptops lighter, smaller, thinner and have the batteries last longer, or at least the same if they've upped the technology, you know, as they did when they jumped to Retina. When they jumped to Retina, they weren't willing to do that until they could make sure that the batteries could keep pace. Everything they've done with the OS, for example, has been about trying to reduce power consumption, 
in recent years you've been able to to measure drain on every single app as you're all aware mm -hmm. just by looking at the activity monitor and you can have a look at the offending apps you know in, in the in the battery um menu item which is which is really neat so you can see that dropbox is absolutely killing your machine at the moment and and if you really want to extend your battery life, you'll close down offending apps, that sort of thing. So power management's much more important to them. Whereas for PC manufacturers, they don't really care about that so much. And yet, even in that respect, they started to make advances. Also, form factor and weight. These are less of a priority for people making top-end PC laptops. And so if you want to make... And here's the thing, right? The majority of video games developers use PCs. That's that's been the case for a very, very long time. For just about every target platform, they've used PCs because PCs have always prioritized um, commodity power for for money, whereas the Mac has always been about beautiful integration top to bottom. That comes ahead of any power requirement. And that still continues to be the case. I think what's happening is because the technology demands of games have continued to accelerate to the point now we're talking about VR and so on. It makes it very, very hard for the Mac to keep pace. And for those people who are now shut out of iOS video games development because it just isn't economically viable for them anymore, they're looking at their Macs and thinking, well, really, what else can I use this for? That PC over there will get me into VR. It will let me do PC Steam games, which are still the biggest market. And a lot of people have been asking themselves quite seriously, those people who attempted over to the Mac, why should I continue to stick with this? When you talk about making games and developers having to choose the tools to make games, what are actually the tools that developers use? Because I have a very basic understanding of how actually making games work. And I need to understand better, like, what are the apps, what are the tools that developers use to craft video games? Okay, so let's talk about the video game tool chain or the video game development tool chain. But to do that, let's very quickly go over a little bit of history, if that's okay. So of 1982. <laughs> All I've got is history. Why mate. would we have you if we didn't want the history? <laughs> so it goes back all the way to Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have to fossil on the show, right? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so 1982, when I started uh, doing commercial video games development, we didn't call it commercial video games development back then. That's another story. I had an Atari 400 with a membrane keyboard and 16K bytes of RAM, of which 9K bytes were available to me. And that's what I made games on. And when I wanted to save them, I saved them to a cassette tape, which I think had a saving rate of, I don't know, 300 bits per second or something. Uh, somebody claimed 1500 bits per second. I don't know. It's such a long time ago. What does it matter? It was just, put it this way, it was painfully slow. And... For that reason, you didn't save stuff off regularly. And for that reason, you lost your work a lot. And it took ages to make stuff. And the way you made stuff was either you used the inbuilt uh, basic cartridge, where it wasn't built in, you plugged in a basic cartridge and then you, you made, made something in basic. Or you could make something in assembler, which was even harder. And then you type in your assembler code 
and maybe you drew your graphics on graph paper and then you entered the data manually by hand and you kind of experimented with the sound chip you know you did that programmatically so it was extremely manual and difficult extremely prone to crashing and it took a long long time and for that reason iteration just wasn't the deal back then if you managed to get something done you just got it out you know and that was an achievement so people looked at technology and technological achievement they weren't really interested in gameplay they were just looking at games going wow it, it does this it does that i'm really happy with this and what happened over the years is that people got tired of making games for the machines they wanted those games on the on the machines that they were making those games so what got introduced at some point into video games development because this is a thing in other programming was the idea of cross development cross assembly cross compilation and what that meant was that you used another machine to make your game and then you squirted over your game code and content and so on to the machine it was eventually going to run on that did two things it lifted the constraints on how much code you could build because here's the thing right if you're making the game on the actual machine the amount of code that you're writing is soon going to take over all of the memory so when you try to run it you have to unload it and then reload it it's just unfeasible so you could make bigger games that way but also once your target computer crashed it was a very quick process to get going again because you hadn't lost any of your code. Hmm. I actually worked on one of the earliest cross-development systems. It was called PDS, but there were many others. Is there still an element of that today with console gaming? Yeah, totally. I mean, we'll come around to dev kits later but and, and how they've changed things as well. But if you imagine that the, the dev kit in those days was, say, a ZX Spectrum, right? effectively an open dev kit anybody could write stuff on it anybody could write stuff for it nowadays dev kits are much more closed but the big break really was separating building a game from running the game and that also allowed you to debug the game remotely as well now we were talking about tool chains so that's the context right so tool chains are a set of programs software that help you to create all of the components of a video game and merge them together in a final form that runs on a target machine. So, for example, uh, a package like Maya, which lets you uh, model, texture, animate uh, characters, scenery, and so on, uh, one of the most famous video game tools around, that would be part of your tool chain. But... You need to get data out of it. So you would need to have a plugin that converts the data from Maya into a form that's suitable for the engine that you're using. And in the early days, everybody wrote their own engines. Nowadays, we have custom engines like Unity and Unreal and GameMaker and so on. So nowadays, those um, middleware packages or engines rather are very good at importing data in just about any kind of format. But in the early days, you had to go through a series of steps to massage the data so that it was compatible with whatever engine you were using. So Maya would be one, th one part of the tool chain. Uh, whatever plugins you were building 
to, uh, and this still continues to be the case, whatever plugins you are building to massage the data or manipulate the data or access the data or help you build uh, the, the graphics would be part of that. Anything that packages the game together in a compressed form, for example, you might have heard the term pack file, something that puts all of the data together in one file, making it a lot easier to access, that is part of the tool chain. The compiler, which takes your uh, C++ code or any other language, um, in, in the case of Apple, we're looking at Swift and Objective-C, but in the case of PC, we're commonly looking at C++, Mac also C++, uh, very commonly for games. A compiler takes your C++ text files and compiles them into object files, and then a linker links them together. A linker is also part of the tool chain. Then there's this thing called make, which looks at your entire source code tree, which could be tens of thousands of files for the biggest games. And it looks at the, the files that have changed and only rebuilds those before finally linking together the the, the target program. That's also part of the tool chain. Um, anything that creates audio. So, for example, if if um, an audio director is using Logic, right, to make the music and is using maybe some sound effects package, and there are loads of those around, from the smallest, like BFXR for indie games that create really cool chip uh, effects, all the way up to um, really, really powerful uh middleware like uh, WYs and so on. All of these are part of the tool chain, right? So if you imagine all of the assets that you need a game, even Excel could be part of the tool chain because Excel can be used to store the localization data for for a game. You know, you'd have multiple uh, Excel files or a single Excel file, depending on how you want to do this for every language in the game um, with an identifier to mark which piece of text you're actually talking about. You know, you never refer to a piece of text in a properly localized game. You refer to a text asset, and that asset will um, pick out the correct language depending on which one you selected. That's part of the tool chain. So, you know, there is so much of this stuff. Anything you can imagine, voice files, um, uh, movie files, you know, you'll have um, movies created by stuff like Bink, and that will be part of the tool chain. And God, I could go on and on and on about this. But all of these things are really, really important. And here's the interesting thing. Over the last few years, there have been more, uh, more of these tools that form part of the tool chain available on the Mac, but not all. And people still make lots of plugins and dedicated tools specifically for PC. If you go to just about any large video game developer in the world, you'll see that most of their setup is still very much PC-based. And so when they make custom tools, because as you can imagine, the likes of um, Ubisoft and Naughty Dog and so on will have very heavily customized tools. Some will be more web-based nowadays, but there are still many that are only built for PC mm -hmm. um, because that's what the majority of the developers run. Does that answer your question on on tool chains yes very much cool that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of info so what's the how have these things changed in the past five years uh because i feel like with mobile games and especially after the app store and the google play store have become established uh, players in this field has there been some sort of major shift in the in in the tools that you use on or how the companies that make the tools approach developers today 
Yes, there there have been a lot of shifts. I, I guess the most important shift over the last few years has been that the the distribution of video games has become a lot more accessible to smaller developers because of digital distribution. And I guess that's a trend that's really accelerated since around 2005 to 2007. That's when it really started to take off. Uh, Steam was very important in that respect, but iOS, I think, was the biggest kick in the pants that digital distribution has had. Also, the power of devices going up and up and up has helped hugely because it's meant that the complexity of the middleware has and engines has increased, but also the accessibility has improved. So as a developer, you don't have to work nearly as hard to squeeze performance out of a machine as you used to. You know, if you want tons of particles, no problem. If you want zillions of sprites, no problem. If you want to move tons of 3D models around and animate them, no problem. The engines and the middleware will take care of that a lot more for you. You know, if you want spatialized audio, no problem. The hardware will handle it. The middleware makes it easy and accessible for you. And that has allowed a lot more people to make games than ever before. So that really has been a big change. But as a result of that, Let's talk about some of the the lowest layers that make this possible, because we've talked about engines, we've talked about middleware. What we haven't talked about is a lowest level API layer. And for each of the various platforms, this is really important. So for Apple these days, the low level um, API for accessing the graphics hardware is called Metal, which of course you probably know a hell of a lot more mm-hmm. about than I do, Federico. But no, no, really. <laughs> <laughs> I know but it if... exists. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know broadly what it does, but you know, I mean, you're the developer here. So, well, so GPUs, right? Everyone knows what GPUs are, but maybe what some people don't appreciate, maybe those people who aren't developers, what they don't appreciate is that over the last 10 years, GPUs have massively outstripped CPUs in in raw performance and raw power. And the reason they've been able to do that is because they exploit parallelism. They have a lot of parallelism because if you want to do a whole bunch of operations, then you do them on pixels and you can do them on vertices and all of these things can be parallelized very, very heavily. And the other thing that's emerged is shader programming. And Without wanting to get too technical, bottom line is, if you want to get the best performance out of any uh, game-related hardware nowadays, you need to know how to exploit the GPU to the fullest extent. And in order to do that, you need to have really, really good command of low-level skills. Low-level meaning you need to know exactly how the pipelines work, what breaks the parallelism, what can make things way faster, And this is what results in competitive advantage. So this is why we've had the emergence of DirectX as, I guess, right now, probably the leading player in terms of a low-level API. Um, And a low-level API is a way of just abstracting the graphics hardware to make it slightly easier to program. Okay, a lot easier to program. Because nobody actually programs direct to the metal except the people who create these abstracted interface. So metal is one. DirectX is one, which is um, mostly DirectX 11, but moving more and more to DirectX 12 these days. And then there's our our old friend OpenGL. And the reason 
Apple kind of moved away from OpenGL ES is because it was not offering them enough performance. So they did what Apple usually does. And they said, okay, if you guys can't keep pace with us, this is what we're going to do. We're going to introduce our own low-level API. Now, the advantage of that, why is that important? If you take a company like Unity or a company like Epic, who make Unreal, well, they are making the most widely available, the most widely used um, engines for game development today. So they're handling the problem of addressing the graphics chips. If they're writing to DirectX 11, you know, they're okay, they're cool. If they're writing to OpenGL, well, it depends on which version of OpenGL they're writing to. Because if they're writing to 4.1, it can't do things like compute shaders. Why are compute shaders important? They are a way you can massively exploit the parallel nature of a GPU. And that's what will give you tremendous performance gains. And it will also let you do things that other games can't do. So that's not available to them. So Apple say, okay, well, guys, why don't you do something for Metal, right? And if they use Metal instead of OpenGL, which apparently is going to come to Unity at some point pretty soon, I hope, um, then that that issue is not completely solved across the board because they have to do it slightly different for every architecture, but it becomes easier. So that's why Apple did Metal, because OpenGL wasn't really keeping pace with them. And then there's a new standard by the same people who did uh, OpenGL called Vulkan as well. But the thing is, like with something like Metal, it doesn't help Apple in general, right? Like it just helps for their platform. Like you can't use Metal to help you make better Steam games. Am I right in thinking that? You're absolutely right in thinking that to some degree. Here's the thing. If they, if Unity, let's say, for example, I'm a developer and I'm making a game Mm -hmm. Uh, using Unity, and I want it to run on PC, Mac, and Linux. Well, the PC version will look the best because Unity uses DirectX on the PC platform. It will be slower on the Mac because not only have I got a graphics chip, a GPU that's not as powerful typically as the one I'll find on a typical top-end gaming laptop, but it's also have Unity is having to go through OpenGL. Now, if instead Unity went through Metal for their Mac stuff, it's going to look a lot better because Metal is more... I was about to use the dreaded word performant. It performs better if it goes through Metal because it avoids a whole series of things that you don't have to um, worry about because it costs so much in OpenGL. And I guess Linux is a different kettle of fish altogether, but that's an even smaller segment at the moment, I'd say. So I I think it's important, but I would argue that a company like Unity, a company like Epic, they're not going to prioritize Metal because something like OpenGL is available on many more platforms, whereas something like Metal is only going to be on on Apple and Mac. And if people continue to move away from Mac, because we'll get onto the numbers in a minute, then... They, they face the issue that, well, why are we even bothering to do this at all? Let's just stick with OpenGL. And then Apple will get even further left behind. So we were talking about numbers. I mean, the thing with Steam, right? It's still the dominant digital games um, download platform. They did a survey recently. I, I believe it was as recently as October. And the thing is, Mac respondents were below 5% of the total. The majority were PC. Now, that doesn't tell you the size of the market, but I still suspect the Mac market on Steam is way under 10%. 
So it doesn't mean an awful lot to Steam at the moment. I mean, I guess in overall numbers, when they're talking about billions in revenue, it's not insignificant, but they are going to focus more on PC. And and that, I think, is is an issue because despite the Apple, uh, sorry, despite the Mac being the leading uh, laptop uh, selling company in the world, there must be a more elegant way of saying that. But yeah, the the leading seller is the MacBook, I guess. Um, particularly the MacBook Pro. I mean, the MacBook Pro was, I think, over half of the of the Apple respondents in that survey. So that really is a leading laptop. There, if we're talking about two and a half percent of the respondents, and let's be kind. Let's say the MacBook Pro is three or four percent of the Steam um, total market by volume. That's still really low bordering on insignificant and if i was looking at those figures as a developer i'm thinking do i really want to bother making a mac version of this game particularly when the leading macbook pro um the gpu in that is not as good as a ps4 pro really <laughs> yeah seriously the the 460 uh radeon which is a polaris chipset um is the polaris chipset is also used in a ps4 pro but the one in the ps4 pro is kind of somewhere between the 470 and the 480. Now, this is a piece of hardware that costs about, I don't know, what, 330 quid? Is it something like that in the shops, Mike? Something like that, yeah. It's not a lot, is it? I mean, and in that, you're getting a GPU that's more powerful than the one you get in the £3,300 MacBook Pro. Well, that's scary. I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to have one of those, but... The other problem there is, let's say you've got a game that uses OpenGL on the MacBook Pro. It's up against the PS4 Pro, where people are not writing to OpenGL. They're, you know, Unity on that, or Unreal on that, or even if you're going lower and writing directly to um, to the PlayStation SDKs, which are even lower level than, than Metal, as you can imagine. The performance on that is going to totally blow away uh, a MacBook Pro, no matter how... Um, how fully loaded it comes. And here's the other thing. You, the top-of-the-line uh, 460 used in the MacBook Pro comes with 4 gigs, which sounds great. But, I mean, even uh, the, the GTX 1060 by NVIDIA, which is probably the, the most important VR-ready headset in the laptop sphere at the moment, stocks at 6 gigabytes, you know, no problem at all. It, it's a real losing battle for apple if they're interested in games at all i don't think they've ever been interested in games but what they should be interested in are games developers so the developers that apple cares about most i guess when it comes to gaming are the ones that make games for ios i think that's probably their key right like they they keep making tools like metal which make development on the mac for ios games better and better has iOS, do you think it's been resulting in the shift of, of people towards buying Mac laptops, even though they are not as powerful for the for the PC gaming development? That's a great question. Absolutely. But people have no choice. You know, if you want to make an iOS game, you have no choice but to get a, a Mac of some description. Thing is, though, before, when the performance was not such a huge deal and you could use a Mac to build games for just about any platform and performance was comparable, especially for indies, the developers began to love the Mac. And so they didn't have any issues with it. 
But it's getting to the point now where they're so expensive and iOS development itself is really not delivering the returns that many developers had hoped for. There's not really much need for them to have one. I mean, if if you if you as a game developer, and I, I take it you're referring primarily to game developers, if you're if you're looking at making a video game today, would you really be looking to make an iOS game? I think that's a really serious question that Apple need to be looking at. Obviously, the the top free to play people, great. You're always going to get the odd breakout hit, great. But there are an awful lot of developers who've made very good iOS games who've made absolutely no money at all, and I don't yeah. think they'll be going back to iOS anytime soon. But if you're an indie, like if you are a one person shop. Isn't iOS the platform that you would go for, or, or would you go for for a bigger platform? Would you go for PC? Would you go for PlayStation? Like, where are people going to? I'd say Steam is the dominant platform for independent developers. It has been for quite some time. There was a a temporary um, gold rush for iOS, but Steam remains dominant in that that respect. I think most games developers, if they if they had their way and they could pick one platform. It would be PC and Steam. There are a lot of other very competent developers who have started to do console as well because a jump from PC to console is definitely not huge, especially if you don't don't want absolute top-of-the-line um, beast-level graphics, you know? Mm-hmm. And even those are becoming possible on something like the PS4 Pro. So I would say... If I'm if I'm a games developer starting up today, there are two areas you'd look at. First, you'd look at non-VR, traditional gaming, and then your priorities would be PC first, then PS4, then Xbox One, and so on. And then there would be VR developers who would be looking right across the board, depending on who which platform is most interested in what they're making. Because it's very much about... Uh, the platforms driving the content at the moment to to showcase their hardware. So in that respect, then, you would re- maybe recommend that somebody interested in getting into game development today would look at PC over Mac? Yeah, without a doubt. So what are you developing on right now? I'm developing on a PC. I've got no choice. I'm not happy about it. But it just so happens that the PC I'm using is an absolute beast. And when I say beast, that's a compliment. It's exceptionally fast. It's pretty stable. It has an enormously powerful graphics card, though that's not really an issue for me because I'm making a game for uh, VR. I'm also working with PSVR, which requires uh, a PC for development. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've got a Rift there as well. It requires a beastly PC to run. That does all of that. It's an Alienware, which uh, they were very kind to loan me. I've had absolutely no issues with it at all, and it has been incredibly fast. I don't love it like I love a Mac. That's the thing. On a Mac, I feel really connected to the machine. I feel like it understands what I want it to do, and I say that as someone who knows that machines don't actually understand a thing. It just feels so much more natural and flowing, and it's not the fault of the hardware on a PC. I just think it's a Windows thing. Windows always felt like an imitation, uh, never quite the real thing. And for me, uh, Mac OS has always felt like an absolute dream. And, and I say that going back to 2001. This is the difference between using devices that you want to use compared to devices that you're forced to use. 
Exactly. That's the perfect way of putting it. Which is a shame. Could it be better if you just built a Hackintosh instead? Oh, who's w- got the time? <laughs> you know? <laughs> But would it, would it be possible to, um, if you had a Mac, actually, if you had a computer that ran Mac OS, but with the power of a PC, would it still be a problem to make video games, to use the tools that you need for VR? Do you actually need not just a PC in terms of hardware, but also Windows? You do need Windows. You need Windows to do uh, PlayStation development. Okay. Uh, you also need... Um, let me think about this. Yeah, you, you need Windows to run Rift games as well because, you know, Palmer Lucky has said very clearly on the record that he doesn't see any um, Mac now or in the foreseeable future that's going to be powerful enough to, to run VR. So it'd be absolutely pointless to have a dev environment for, for Mac as well. But if you had a Mac that was powerful enough, you just dual boot it. But the current ones, you know, they're, they're, they're just not there. And I agree with uh, Mr. Lucky. <laughs> you know, I, I don't see that, that it's going to change in the near future. It was never the case before, you see, but the pace of change was not accelerating as much five years ago as it is today. Mm. Uh, I guess that's a double derivative, isn't it? Acceleration upon acceleration. I think the <laughs> physicists call that jerk. I'm not sure. Is there a way out of this? Like, is Apple gonna, is Apple going to improve for this? I don't think they will. I mean, because I think that they understand this is a, a small market and it seems like they're just not, they're just, they just don't desire to, to serve it. Well, you could also argue that they're making the best laptop that there is. It's just not the best laptop for everyone. It's expensive and so on. Look, do I want one? God, yeah. But what would I use it for? You know, I, I am using a 2013 MacBook Pro for uh, podcasting, writing, a uh, few bits of code here and there, you know, when I'm on the move. It's a perfectly capable, powerful sure. machine. But it just isn't enough. And I don't think you can blame Apple for that. They still make a really desirable, useful machine. If I want to do music, my 2013 MacBook Pro is absolutely fine running Logic. You know, no issues at all. But what if none of this matters to Apple? Because the reason they think VR is such a sideshow is because what they're going to come out with is going to blow all of that away. And the only way you'll be able to make stuff for that device, whatever it is, will be through a Mac. And that Mac will be more than powerful enough. You know, there, there won't be an issue because it will be targeting a completely different problem. I, I think that is likely to happen. I don't know when. I think there are some commentators out there who have the most outrageous optimism for what's achievable in 2017. I'm not entirely sure. But we are talking about... Um, a company that has phenomenal resources and the ability to recruit and buy in the best talent in the world, I would be very surprised if they weren't working on something in parallel that make people go, huh, VR? Hmm. Uh, you know what? Let's have a look at what Apple are doing. So, Shahid, uh, what do you think Apple should do with, in terms of VR? Because it seems to me like they don't really care with Tim Cook saying multiple times, uh, we believe AR is the future. We believe AR has many different possibilities. With, and I mean, of course, they must be experimenting with VR stuff, but at least publicly, they haven't made any kind of statement or commitment. Do you think VR should be 
and I'm talking here not not about the Mac, but about iOS gaming. Do you think it should be a framework on iOS, much like Metal is a framework and developers can plug into, but Apple doesn't make its own hardware, it just enables developers to use, you know, that framework on iOS. Uh, because it really seems to me that by not doing VR at all, they're shutting the developer community out even more. And I wonder if that's that could be a problem in the future if VR really takes off. That's a really tough question. Really, really tough question. I'm, I'm glad I'm not uh, a, an Apple strategist because it really does depend on what happens with VR. I don't think Apple is a type of company that responds to the market traditionally. I think it's one of those companies that, I say one of those companies, the only company that's able to lead um, and, and get other people to follow. If you look at the way the, the MacBook, we were talking about quite a lot today, has evolved over the years, you see all of the PC manufacturers of note have followed suit in a number of ways. You know, uh, unibody designs, aluminium enclosures, lightness, thinness, retina, all of that stuff. You know, people have just copied Apple. Same with um, the iPhone. People have just copied Apple because that's what Apple do, right? They lead. So if they're going to come out with something, it's going to be, a, especially in a mass market space, it's going to be a class leader. It's going to be nothing. I can't see that they would introduce any kind of VR, whether it be software, whether it be a framework, whether it be hardware, unless it was class leading. Now, class leading doesn't necessarily mean the best technology. It might just mean the most accessible technology. It might just mean the most useful technology. But because it's Apple, it will be pervasive just because it's Apple. You know, it's like when when Apple came out with a watch. We loved it. I mean, I bought one. Loads of people bought one. Yep. It's done pretty well by all accounts. It wasn't the first watch. Does it matter? The iPod wasn't the first music device. Does it matter? Apple tend to wait and then do things right. And that's when the product will come out. And they don't care if it's 2017 or 2018 when that product comes out. But when it comes out, it will be that um, that category done right. <laughs> I think the only thing they've not done it right with is TV. So they don't always get it right. But I think in this space, it's too important. The technology is moving too quickly. People, it, It's not just crazy people like me who are saying VR is the future. You know, there are a lot of very credible people who've tried it um, and been absolutely blown away by it. Charlton Brooker, for example, I don't know if you saw his tweets yesterday, but PlayStation sent him... Um, uh, PSVR, and he was publicly blown away by it and saw it as a future. You yeah, know, I saw the tweet on uh, yeah. yesterday. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people way more credible than me are saying that they are convinced. Nobody's fooled by this being the very, very best. It's only going to get better. This is the beginning, but it's a good beginning. So I think it's important. I just think that if Apple do come out with something, it will be a class leader simply because it's Apple and they will do it right. After seeing with the the news of the MacBook Pro and sort of Apple's lack of Pro updates to its hardware and the industry moving to PC and Windows as a requirement to make Vita games, Vita game developers moving to PCs and Windows again, do you think Apple 
cares at all about the video game developer community? Do you think it's in their interest to nurture that kind of developer environment? Or are they just saying, well, we're going to have some games on the App Store anyway. We don't need to target specifically the video game developer. We can target the artist, the musician, the you know uh, other types of creatives. But historically, Apple doesn't have a pretty great track record at all with, you know, dealing with the developer community in video games. And so I wonder, is this ever going to be fixed? Is this ever going to be improved? Or are we just setting setting ourselves up for disappointment? I would take some issue with their, uh, with the idea that they have not really been good with video game developers. Mm. I think I- iOS itself, for the first few years, was probably the most important thing that happened to video games in decades and the accessibility of ios and then the introduction of various frameworks to support game development became hugely important but it became hugely important not because they because they find games important but it became hugely important because it helped them sell handsets that's all they care about so when you put it into that context you know that is what they care about. If you look at a company like Valve, they have a completely different set of values. Gabe Newell is renowned and loved and practically revered in the gaming world because of the values that he espouses very openly. You know, the right way to do things, uh, the right way to work with partners, the right way to support them, the right way to make money for everybody, and and all of that. Whereas for Apple, it's about making the best devices for uh, for consumers and making sure that they sell as many of them as possible. And anything that supports that, great. And so insofar as that goal is concerned, they they will support games developers. It's just that when we're talking about um, computer games, if you like, or console games, they have no understanding of that sphere. And I don't think they ever will have. You know, their their presentations on that front are generally clunky. But the support of the development community has been magnificent. Um, You know, you can actually use C++ to make games on a Mac for for iOS as well as for the Mac. But, but, you know, why would you want to? There are are better solutions available for iOS. um, and, And really, Mac as a target platform is too small. So... It's difficult. You know, they might surprise us. They might come up with another platform as transformative as as iOS and specifically iPhone, because I don't think iPad really took off as far as games are concerned. iPhone was a much bigger deal. So I, I, I think if they come up with another platform that transcendent, they will clean up and developers won't care. They'll buy MacBooks in droves. They'll buy this new device in droves, whatever it is to to make stuff for it. 